Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Right, let's start doing. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Here I am with Sober Phil. Hello, Sober Phil. <laughs> sober today. I, I say sober. What is it, like half ten? You must have had your first drink already by, by now with your current record. Uh, I, I'm now dry since we went for a couple of beers on Thursday night. Uh, uh, we did, well, yes, we did, didn't we? We can't say who with. Because we can't compromise his information. Yes. But we had a very, wonderful time. It was very nice. Very good watching uh, the France-Namibia game, which we probably won't go into too much detail on later. But we had a lovely time. So I'm, I'm sober since Thursday night. Well done, mate. Well Thank done. you. Uh, I was sober on Thursday night. I, I you was, were. I was, I was very, very di- disciplined. I, I felt like it was false advertising because you set up a group with the two of us and, and our unnamed mystery individual. Yep. Uh, and the group was titled Beers. I and I arrived, I arrived, and two of us were having beers, and you were drinking sparkling water. I don't mind drinking sparkling water. But I, <laughs> I don't mind drinking sparkling water, but, but it's not, a, kind of, not as advertised. Yes, precisely. Yes, okay, fair enough. Well, I'll tell you who I think is probably a bit drunk right now. <laughs> uh, well, maybe one Tim Cocker, maybe. Maybe any any Irish man, woman, or child in France or in Ireland. Yeah, and maybe some South Africans. <laughs> maybe quite a few quite South, a few South Africans. Africans. But who might have been drinking preemptively for their win and uh, then have a, have a few more to drown their sorrows. They might have, after the first 20 minutes, opened something in celebration. <laughs> oh, my word. So What a game. Two other games happened, and a game on Friday. And the game on Thursday. Thursday. And you you talked about the Uruguay-Italy game, which was on Wednesday. Yep, so we can bin that one. Yeah. Um, I have nothing to say about all the other games because they're all irrelevant compared to what we saw last night. Yeah. I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but it is everything pales into insignificance compared to that game. Yeah. And everything, like, I, uh, I am convinced, other than France, if they've got a full team out, not a single other team can come close to that intensity at no. this World Cup. I, well, no one. I don't think Ireland could come close to that intensity. <laughs> Again. And, yeah, and let me explain what I mean by that in a second. Because I think it's worth just pointing out that the way I thought about this game, in the same way I thought about the Heineken Cup final, is we've got a handful of wonderful games left in, in the world of rugby. Ever. Right? Yeah, I think we'll... Uh, you said three years from now? Five years from now? Yeah, I mean, don't be surprised if the games that we are seeing now are the absolute pinnacle of the sports. Uh, you might never see a better game of rugby than what you saw last, last night. night. Yeah, like, you, It just will not happen. And we should learn from this game and take out what rugby should be. Like, rugby should be so intense, so difficult, that you should watch it and go, not only could I never do that, I can't imagine how anyone can do that. And that's what makes it special. Like It's the ability to look at something and go, no, 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 no. It's like watching Strongman. Do you know when you watch Strongman? Yeah, like, yeah. How, <clears throat> how is that possible? Yeah, how, yeah. Anyone... how can a human being achieve that? Yeah. So that's, that's my first takeaway, and I'll give you the rest of them later. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it might be one of the last great games, and it was. It was better than that. It, it was a, a truly phenomenal game. It was absolutely awe-inspiring. And I, 
it's funny because I've looked at the stats, and if you just look at the stats, throw them in the bin. They they are like there's um, less than half the meters run compared to something like the France New Zealand or the Wales Fiji two two of the other games. Mm. Kind of seventy eighty percent of the carries. There's um, fewer than half the kicks from hand, which yep. is amazing. So there's there's on kind of ordinary metrics, you would say there is less rugby played. But what about, everything. What about um, time in play? Do you know? I, I I've not got it. I actually assume it was quite a lot lower than some of those other games because because you've got seventy percent fewer runs. You've got half the meters yeah. made. You've got half the kicks from hand. That you've it, there's just less of everything, but everything you had was dialed up to eleven. So oh. what you had was just so intense and physical and and not perfect in terms of it. It wasn't uh, it wasn't the highest possible standard. Um, oh, sorry, highest possible skill set. It's not that there was no errors. It's just everything was exactly what you wanted it to be. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And not only do I agree with that, I think the first twenty minutes from South Africa. Might be the most intense rugby I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it might, it might be that high. Uh, I don't think Ireland could deal with it, but I also was fully aware that I'm not sure South Africa can keep this up. Yeah. And yeah. what's the answer to high intensity rugby? Get the ball and keep it. Yeah. Like, if you can, you can't defend like that for for long periods. Of, and to be fair, they nearly did. The, I and mean, that's what's remarkable. About it. They nearly did. Some of this South Africa defence was amazing, and while South Africa's discipline cost them. It wasn't their discipline in defence. Their discipline in defence was excellent. They were always given the extra yard on to keep them on side, yep. which Ireland did not. Did not, and there possibly could have been a few more penalties against Ireland for um, infringing offside. They always tackled low, and they were so low. Really, really disciplined um, and supporting their body weight at the breakdown when they were in defence. I actually thought South Africa's indiscipline. Um, particularly in the first half, actually came from when they tried to go wide and Ireland have got some great jacklers in the wide channels Yeah, and South Africa got a little bit too stretched when they got stopped and then that's where they were either holding on or went so, off their feet. The lessons I'm taking from this game, okay, are very broad macro lessons, mm-hmm. which are, which is, when idiots, and I do mean idiots, <laughs> I can't think of another word for it, people don't understand the game. Um, at its very core, talk about it. They talk about things which are remarkably unimportant, and they're quite nice sometimes. But this game flew in the face of like, all the all the wisdom. So I like, talk about the high tackle thing. Oh, it's going to be great because of the offloads and the points. Didn't need them. We need less time setting up set, setting up for scrimmages. Not true. Mm-hmm. Kicks are boring. Wrong. Like there is every part of this game was awesome because the fundamental nuts. And do, do you know what this game was about? Two really boring concepts. One, defence, which is not top of the list. In fact, we spend all of our time in rugby thinking how we can depower the defence and wanting to see ball in hand. No, incorrect. Defence and kick chase versus ruck accuracy. And those are the two main things from both both teams. Uh, sorry, with, South Africa, defence and kick chase. With one other thing to add, because I completely agree with that, with the other critical thing... Uh, although it didn't end up being decisive, being the set piece. Yes. Because the set piece was, I mean, it was a fascinating battle. If we talk through the two bits, um, Ireland lost their first four lineouts. Incredible. I, I've never seen that. The first four, all four. And then fair play to them, because with that much pressure after losing the first four, they came back in the lineouts and they won, uh, what would it be? They won 12 of the next 14. Which is that is not a bad record. No, Twelve fine. out of fourteen against one of the best lineouts, uh, defensive lineouts in the world, is not bad. But to lose the first four was huge, and um, the scrum as well. Which yes, now the scrum was a fascinating battle because early on we got. Uh, this is how I saw it, and I am a non-expert when it comes to scrums. I saw early on very evenly matched, like. Both teams holding each other and, and complete even until, say, the 30, 34, 35-minute mark. The last five minutes or so of the, of the first half, South Africa just got on top. Yeah, They maybe won one scrum penalty, but they, they didn't get on top enough to make it totally dominant. And then in the second half, 
they just started to get more and more and more powerful and more dominant until, and it was at the point where I think Dion Ferri came on because yeah. Bongyun Banambi had to go off at that point because he'd run himself into the ground. Dion Ferri came on and then it probably evened itself out a little bit more. Ty Furlong came off, Finley Bielham came on uh, and it probably balanced itself out a little bit more at that point. Right, so here's how I saw it. It's not dissimilar to yours. In fact, it's very similar. I thought that South Africa were way on top for the first half. Um, the reason I say that is not because they were winning scrum pens or whatnot. I think they might win one or two. But the stability of that scrum was masterful. Mm. You know, it just didn't move. On their own strike, it did not move. I, you know, Rarely do you see scrums like that. Now, that's also a credit to both teams because often you'll see the fight and then that will draw the penalty. So Ireland must be really conscious of like, we just can't give away, and just lock out, we don't give away the penalty. And South Africa have got the discipline not to go for it. Yeah. Now, on yeah. the Ireland ball, it's a little bit more messy. So uh, to me, South Africa had the the advantage. Coming to second half, when those when they start replacing the front row. And the second row. Because they the replaced second both row, yeah. second rows after that's, maybe 50 minutes or so, something like yeah. that. They absolutely wrecked one, one or two of the, the Irish Yeah, drums. and that's where I was seeing that. So I was watching this with my old man, and we were on a slight delay. So I had no, no Twitter, no WhatsApp or anything like that. And I said, right, at this point, this is maybe maybe ten minutes into the second half. I was like, Porter's done. You've got to get Porter off now because yeah. he's so fatigued. He works so hard around the pitch, and he didn't. He kept kept on, kept on. And I was like, they've made a bad call. And it, actually, he then Porter with maybe ten minutes left on the clock won a penalty against Malherb, where Malherb got too long. Yeah, and the engine on Porter. To be, he only got taken off with five minutes to go. Incredible, wasn't it? It's absolutely the amount of work he did. So I think the South, well, the last South African scrum was a penalty. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think the last scrum was a penalty, and the reason I think that was a penalty was hubris on South Africa's side. They were so. It was when so they went too early. It's yeah. where yeah, the last the, what was the game winning penalty? South Africa went they pushed too early, and I think that was I think it was exactly right. I thought. There was one or two scrums early on where Ben O'Keefe was a little bit early, was he was a little bit whistle happy, like he penalised Ireland twice for an early engage that looked marginal to my untrained eyes. Other than that, I thought he refereed overall very well. I thought there was one or two errors, but that could have gone either way for each team. But he presided over a very good game, and he wasn't too. Like, there was, I tell you, one of the passages of play where. First five minutes, Ireland put a bit of pressure in the South African 22, spill the ball and New Ze- uh, and South Africa break from their 22 and get into the Ireland's 22. Mm. There was at least three hits or clear outs in that passage of play that yes. if, they're looked, yes. if they're looked at, there's some... Was one on ring rows? One on, there was a clean out from Dialande on ring rows. There was a tackle, I can't remember who it was, maybe a tackle on Creel... There was at least three shots that never got looked at. Yeah. If they get looked at, something something has to happen. I and I was so glad that totally agree with so this. glad that it was just like let it play. And they weren't right. So this is what people don't understand: because the morons. Uh, and I say morons, not the <laughs> average rugby fan, but the average sort of rugby Twitter, the Twitterati. Yeah, 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 and the people that sit down and talk in world rugby in their stupid circles or the f- absolute morons that they put forward from the RFU council to discuss these things and how to make this game safer. It doesn't need to be safer. It needs to be more exciting. And these clear-outs that you were seeing, they weren't a result of malicious intent or dirty play. They are a result of a high kinetic contact game. I don't know how you get to the breakdown that quick unless they don't want them to do that and if they don't want them to do that that's not the game that I want to watch you and you you've got to change the laws yeah. you've got to you've got to somehow take the breakdown out of the game yeah they were low they were aggressive against but, legal jacklers as well because there there is a different position where if you've got an illegal jackler the referee should be spotting that the referee should be blowing but I don't know how one referee can I mean uh, no. so we've got a situation in the one you're talking about okay so the referee is going to be set up because he assumes there's going to be a line-out win and he needs to referee, presumably, a more mm-hmm. attacking team. The ball is stolen. It comes down. He's already in the wrong position. First thing that happens is a box kick. Box kick go- goes up. So you're like, right, time to get on the far end of the field to watch this box kick. The box chasers follow up. And 
annihilate somebody. I can't mm. remember who it was, but I was like, that is... Was so it Mac Hansen got Yeah, Mac Hansen. I think it was Mac Hansen yeah, on that one. Honest, his wing. Yeah, it was, it was him because he catches it in the air, takes one step, like feet on the ground, and bang, he's back. Yeah. Oh, God, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Like, yeah, tell me kick chase is boring, idiots. <laughs> tell me it's boring. Tell me it's not. Right, next, next thing you know, the South Africans have arrived. They spread it wide, cross-field kick. It gets somehow regathered. And we are, in terms of a rugby field, right, the furthest points to where the ball started possible. So opposition five to just outside the five. I mean, you can get a bit further. But the routes to get there, right, is this massive sort of L-shape followed by another (laughs) L-shape. How is Ben O'Keefe meant to do that, right? And so... If he can't do that, you're going to have to have some flexibility in the laws because you can't review everything. You can't yeah. look at illegal jacklers. And that's just part of the game. And wh- what I thought was, as a, as a uh, well, for um, the full refereeing panel, Ben O'Keefe did really well. The two touch judges um, and the TMO all actually did because the TMO wasn't uh, too bunker happy. He wasn't constantly in... Uh, ben O'Keefe say, like some TMOs mm. perhaps are to look at this, look at that. No, it was a it was a masterclass in officiating. One of, one of the great uses of TMOs actually was I think it was just at the start of the second half. South Africa kick off, Ireland claim the ball, Etzebeth makes a tackle and he's on the wrong side and he's trying to get out. But as he gets out, the ball gets dislodged. South yeah. Africa pick it up and go, and Ben O'Keefe is letting it play because he's on the far side. He's not seen it. And the TMO rightly calls him back and, and stops it. And it was just a, it was a good, simple call that was the right use of the TMO. It wasn't, uh, they weren't whistle happy. They weren't ben too eager. As well, as well as the illegal, I'm not saying the physical cleanouts. I think he missed a lot of high tackles, not head on heads, but a lot of high tackles went. So lots of show, uh, uh, lots of seatbelt tackles, lots of riding up. And that I think should be the standard. You look at I that game that, and go, "There you go, yeah. that works for everyone." No one got, got no one got yellow carded. I don't think there was there was an HIA for ring rules, but that was where ring rules something else wasn't it? it wasn't head on head. It was something. Well, he did get it was him making a tackle on Deal Andy. That's right. Yeah, he threw his body in because actually, <laughs> one of the counterintuitive things is we know that two thirds of the of um, head injuries come from the tackler, not the tackled player. Yeah. And that that was an example. It was it was right, and he he passed it, but that that actually gave him the time to kind of shake off a stinger because it was more his shoulder that was that was um, impacted on that collision. Do you know, I think the big loser from this game is Scotland. Yeah. The reason I say that is not because Scotland's like, oh god, look what's coming our way. It's more the fact that they had to play South Africa first. Yeah, and I think whoever loses this, it must have one hell of a mental toll because. Everything was out there. and I mean, I don't think South Africa will walk away from that saying we should have won that. I'm just going to say we could have won we, that. Uh, and probably if Andre Pollard's playing or a 80% kicker, because yeah. they they got it's a 20% of their kicks. They got one from five. They left, right. they left 11 points out there. Now, the kicks, there was a couple from Libok that were certainly kickable, but they also, like... They had two very long shots Fuff, from in their own. Yeah, they're in their own half. They had um, two, but yeah, they they will say they'll say they they could have won it under different circumstances. But they yeah they could have won it, but they couldn't have played any better. No, I think that's what you know. You, you're but, relying on. I mean, if you play that game again, it could easily be be stuff. Oh, and, and I actually yeah. think I actually think maybe looking at that because the chances are South Africa will play uh, France in the quarters now unless something miraculous happens in the Ireland-Scotland game. Um, South Africa will play France in the quarters, and uh, I think South Africa beat France. I agree. Particularly without DuPont. I think with DuPont, well, Ronan O'Gara... Well, DuPont's not going to be the difference maker here, is he? Well, Ronan O'Gara... So, he's not the difference maker in terms of the physicality, but the phrase that Ronan O'Gara used when he was describing DuPont in his interview with Jim Hamilton the other day was, he is a 10-point player. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I like I genuinely think that is right. That is a correct. So, France, if you take ten points off them, South Africa are going to win that. Mm. I, I think they're in, they are in that position because he's he, and this is this is using Ogara's words. He's as strong as a front row or a back row. He's got the handoff of a back row or a centre. Yeah, he's he's got the pace of a winger. 
and he's got the rugby intelligence, the brain of like the best scrum half or fly half of all time. He he is everything. Yeah, he's quite important. <laughs> but and still, Luke Luku's okay, and Kuyu is okay. No, no, they're not. <clears throat> they are very good scrum halves, but they're not. They're not ten point difference makers. Kulu, or however you say his name, would be my, my next one for him for France. I think they call Serena. Oh, no. They're not going to call anyone. They're not going to call anyone because he'll be available. Him. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst of all sen- yeah. scenarios this. Because I was thinking like, if Baptiste Saran comes up, maybe they do like an Alex Mitchell. Yeah, and, and he guys starts. Start, and we've got our backups. Yeah. With various roles. But they can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they can't, unless they get, unless they do like uh, South Africa did with Marx and jettison someone else for, they need another injured player. But Or maybe they just review him at the knockouts and go, He's not making it. Off you go. Yeah, that could be that could be another one. Possible. But then you want your scrum half, particularly the way the French play, involved in that camp as soon as. You, yeah, well, yeah, they can bring him into camp anyway. I think the two that they've got, I think Luku and. Uh, so you can only bring out bring one in when you jot, um, drop a player. So yeah. as an example, do you remember in 2019 where Eddie Jones had the Suntory Sungoliaths scrum half? Yes, I do. Replicating Aaron Smith. Yes. And similarly, I'm sure in 2019, Bryn Gatland was playing with the Wales squad, like training with the Wales squad, because you can't have an eligible player. And do you know who Ireland used to train against them? Good, good bit of um, trivia, this. Go on. I said a good bit of trivia. I, don't, I can't remember the answer. Um, <laughs> that is a hell of a... It is a physio who was brother of one of the players... Oh, I'll tell you who Go Wales on. did. Um, Sam Warburton's brother was a physio, wasn't Sam, it? Yeah, but it's Ireland it was. Was it? And he's in his lifting blocks. He's a big, tall boy. Yeah. So he's one of the second rows brothers or something. Okay. And they were lifting him against Ireland. Yeah. I'd love to be what? training fodder for here's, Ireland. Here's an interesting one. So did you see the in, the O2 Inside Line, the England uh, YouTube thing this week? And did you see what familiar face was in the... George Cruz. George Cruz. Why Why do they do that? I mean, yeah, okay. We just no, he's, he's doing line-outs with it. So he's actually on staff coaching. Is he? Didn't yeah, know. yeah. Um, and he apparently did a bit with the Six Nations, which I was no, not aware of at all. Um, but he said the boys are absolutely ruining him, which I don't know if they're just giving him loads of banter or if he's actually being, like, lining up. Um, yeah. Well... Because um, Kevin Sinfield said the other week that he's lined up on the wing is a defensive drill which I don't know where you stand with that because obviously Sinfield uh, and Cruz were international rugby players obviously Sinfield in yeah. different code but they they are, they are international rugby players who are eligible to play for England just in case like how are they diff- what's What's the difference? Is it because they are not currently registered rugby union players does that mean that Must you can be. call yeah, them up yeah because you can't yeah, because there's no way they can play. Yeah, they Whereas if you had guys who could play and just you know, yeah, sign them yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, what about uh, Wigglesworth then? Because he only finished playing No, last... he must be deregistered. He must be deregistered. Must be deregistered. Yeah. But there again, Andy Nickel got on the bench for the Lions in uh, 2001. He was basically a bag carrier. And he was on the bench of the third test because someone got, got, got someone, injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they must have... I don't know. What, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know. The maybe is, the rules were different back then. Exactly right. Um, I bet Sinfield is, has... The best work rate over, I don't know, eight hours? <laughs> eight hours of rugby, Sinfield comes into his own. You can just drag the game out. <laughs> yeah. Just a really little... get them in the deep water and Kev will come into his own. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so back to this game. I, I don't think that um, either team will be looking at it and say, we could play. I don't think either one will say, we can play better. I mean, there'll be things that they can do. Yeah. Like improve lineouts, improve kicking. But yeah. overall, as an effort, neither of them could, could play better. <sighs> but they could have won. I don't, I just don't. So. If this goes how it might go now, where this could well be the final, this could be this has got to be just about the most likely final. I agree um, now. I didn't previously, I, but I do now. Yeah, I didn't. I I, actually, I said previously I thought the the France New Zealand was going to be replicated in the final. I don't think that now. Um, France could get there, although they have to play South Africa, which I th- nope. as it stands, I think South Africa win that. If this game is repeated in the final. I think South Africa win that. Although, you know, South Africa, just going back, I mean, the Alande had a marvellous game. And the reason I just mentioned the Alande then is because I'm thinking of how France set up and they'll be using Dante, Dante in exactly the same way as the Alande was used. Yeah. So yeah. you look at these two teams and they're very, very similar. 
two incredibly powerful front rows. I, I mean, it's not to me that obvious that South Africa won't run them over. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because looking at the South Africa performance, it was very consistent. So they did have their ups and downs, but throughout the 80, they were pretty consistent. They were so intense. It's yeah. that consistent intensity. They might not be spreading it wide all the time, but just the physicality. But they do. That's the other thing. They I mean, that's the other thing. People say, oh, South Africa, they're all about the big boys. No, no, well, they, they are, but they're also they, not. They they spread it wide, and they, in that first half, I think they, as I said before, they spread it wide, perhaps a bit too early, too soon. Like, they almost cost themselves a try in the first yeah. five minutes by spreading it really wide, really uh, early. Wilhelmser uh, looked simply world-class. He looked ace, didn't he? Simply world-class. He was, he was phenomenal. And Matt Hansen is not world-class, right? He's just not a world-class player. He doesn't have world-class physicality or speed or strength. Like, there's nothing about him that's world class, but he is definitely a world class player. Like I've changed my mind on him now. Like he's just there for the big games. Same. I, I'm. He. You're right. The one. Probably the one thing he does have that is world class is the sharpness of mind. Yeah, maybe it's that because he is. You're exactly right. He's not the fastest. He's not the most steppy. He's certainly not the biggest, the most well conditioned, the strongest, or any of those things. But he is a big game player. I'm not even sure he. Is any good for any other team? Because <laughs> Ireland but get the most out of him. He is perfect for Ireland. Yeah, and I can't really describe. Yeah, the mind must be it. The mind in two ways, like his ability to be in the right place at the right time. He's very consistent with his positioning. Like he, yeah, he will just under be the there. high ball and the high ball, even when he gets nailed. Yeah, and that's it. The bravery. Yeah. So I don't know how many times I need to get nailed before not catching it. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would. <laughs> if I can see the potential of me getting nailed on the first catch, I'm not, I'm not catching a ball. Your man, yeah. your ball. Not interested. <laughs> he just carries on doing it. He had. So he got nailed, obviously, for the passage of play that we spoke about. Yeah. Somebody else got absolutely annihilated by a back row, followed by Benambi Benang. I can't say his name now. Bongi and Benambi. Yeah, him. Uh, he had a game for the ages, by the way. Yeah. His tackling. And they both absolutely smashed on. I think it was Matt Hansen again. Yeah, and that's that, you know, that's just remarkable. So I, I can't. I, you know, there's so many things in this game <laughs> which fly in the face of rugby orthodoxy, and oh. you just see it. Time. I mean, how long would Matt Hansen have to play in the English Championship before he oh. got a call up to um, England? He just, he just wouldn't. He yeah, wouldn't play in the Premiership. He doesn't fit the aesthetics. Yeah, like, he he just wouldn't. Get, he's so good though. And I, I was wrong about him. And I was partly, I've said this before, I was partly biased because I love uh, Robbie Balakoon. Mm. But he is so good. Mike Hansen is so good. And I think it's also credit to the coaches as well to recognise that. That's because it's so easy to say, no, we want the, we want yeah, the super athlete. You don't, you're not running a sub 11 seconds. You're not squatting 200 kg, whatever. Not, you're not benching 150 plus. Therefore, you're out. Yeah. No, get him in. Yeah. Did you see his uh, post match? Interview. It I did went not. Out. It, it was. It's funny. It's worth. It'll be on Twitter. I've not seen it on Twitter. I watched it live. It was quite funny. Did a l- nice little swear and then uh, apologised and almost swore again when he was <laughs> apologising. <laughs> well, both these teams were celebrating like they won the World Cup, and I think it would be a game worthy of the, worthy <sighs> of the final. That's it, it. Would be the my question is. I know South Africa can repeat that physicality. Ireland, can they repeat it? Because I have to repeat it. In so South Africa repeat it time and time again. Can Ireland now repeat it? They've got to do it four games on the bounce because well, okay, they've got to do it against Scotland. Scotland are a physical pack; it's not the quite the same level, but yep. they've got to be. If they're off their metal by uh, a few degrees, they could slip up that game yep. and end up playing France, and that doesn't bode well for Ireland. Nope. They then, assuming they do beat Scotland, they get up for it. They've got to get up for it again against New Zealand, and New Zealand. The difference with, between New Zealand and these teams is the front row. New Zealand just don't have the, don't the strength have the or depth in the front row. They've Nobody got, does, though. They've got, uh, France do. Yeah, France, sorry. France do, but no one else does. But that, New Zealand, their second row combination is is, 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 good, is within okay. a few degrees. Their back row combination is as good within a few degrees. Mm. If you've got Ardy and Shannon Frizzell can mix it with, if Shannon Frizzell is, is fit, they can mix it with anyone. Um, but they've, New Zealand don't have that front row uh, physicality. So Ireland, can they do it? They'd have to do it um, against Scotland 
followed by New Zealand, followed by it's one from the other side. And I don't, I'm not sure whether they'd go to the England or the Wales, like Pool C or Pool D winners, I can't remember. But one of those, they can do all that, but then can they uh, the following week get it up again for South Africa? I think those four games yeah. are maybe a step too far for, Although, for Ireland. In a way, I feel that it's easier for the Irish, now they've got that formula for, to know how to beat these teams, to go against similar teams is not a big deal. You might not want to see New Zealand where they're spreading around. You might oh, want I, to see Scotland. I think I think they'll win those. I just don't think they can. Basically, the, the one that I'm concerned for them is the the second time they play South Africa or France, whoever makes it there. That's the one I think yeah. will be a game too far. Don't for them. do what I do, which is only consider it from the point of view of the Ireland team, because whoever's facing Ireland will have watched all of these games or have gone through their own trauma to get there. And they're like, oh my god! Now we've got to face Ireland. I think it goes. Yeah. I think it goes both ways. Oh. Well, here we go. Ireland's route would be as it as it currently looks most, looks most likely. New Zealand, yeah. Um, assuming they beat Scotland, um, or at least get through on points difference and and bonus points. So, Scotland, then uh, New Zealand, then they would play the winner of. The winner of Pool C versus the runner-up in Pool D, which currently looks like Wales v Argentina. <laughs> so Ireland are going to beat Wales or Argentina. I would say in so. The, in the semi-final. So as it stands, they've got to beat New Zealand to get to a World Cup final. That yeah. is not a bad route now. Christ, no, it's not, is it? No, it's not. So um, let's just talk a second about where this game could have turned, like key points it could have turned. In my mind, there was so I mean, because it's such a close game. The obvious one was two or three obvious, well, two obvious ones for me. One is right at the start where Ireland could not get their lineouts together. Yeah. I mean, they, they get a score from the lineout or they milk a penalty from a lineout and kick it or something. You're looking at a different game. Even three points in this game is massively different. So the lineouts would be one. And the other one would be I think there were basically two drops over the. Island line. Uh, Khaleesi drops it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one which I should have, in my mind, should have been a try. A, a more, not experienced team, but a more clinical team would have finished that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the, both of those things make an, enorm- make an enormous difference. So I think, it, I, I think you're right. And on that Khaleesi drop, that was, I think I'm right in saying, that one, there was a period of pressure. So I, I had a couple of minutes in the South Africa 22 then South Africa break. This is right at the start of the game. Yeah. South Africa break. They get the three. And then they, from there, they seem to have 10 minutes in the island's half. And yeah. it's 22 almost. Which they came away with nothing. I think that's where the Khaleesi drop was. But if they get another three points or seven points there, and they go, they're either six or 10 points up, I don't think Ireland get back into it at that stage. I think that island holding out on that passage and then going back down the other end of the field... For Ireland's 10 minutes of pressure that culminated in the Mac Hansen try, if it's 10-0 at that, uh, like, it doesn't get to that stage. No. No, I do, a, another fascinating thing for me about Ireland uh, is well, how they dealt with the pressure, like the mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're disciplined. I don't mean discipline with the ref. Discipline with themselves is, I mean, it's next level. And you don't appreciate this until you come under that kind of pressure. One of the things they do and I've mentioned this before, but I really noticed this game, is they don't take the ball at pace. They just so, don't do it. Well, So I, I mentioned this. I think it was the Six Nations. Yeah. I I think they've got two types of forward carriers. Yes. I, I mean, carriers, not just carries. Yeah. So you have the heavy traffic carriers who generally take it almost standing still. They take it almost standing still, yeah. and they will go for rook speed. So they will... That's exactly they it. They will... Um, carry the ball into contact <clears throat> down yeah so they take kind of one or two defenders with them straight to ground to get fast ball so that's one type of carrier and like James Ryan does that uh, all the front row Porter, do it. yeah Porter Kelleher certainly Sheehan's the other type of carrier or can be the other Furlong does it and then you have the forward uh, and Peter Roman is definitely that type of yeah. carrier as well then you have the other forwards who they have the license to try and take the ball on at a bit more pace or put a bit of a footwork on. And that's Van der Fleer, Yep. That's Caelan Doris. 
that's Sheehan. Yeah. And maybe Tyburn, depending on well, where he is. Do you is. think there's maybe a different way to look at this? Maybe it's maybe it's they select the type of carry depending on where they are on the field. I, I, th- I think from, from having watched this and thought about this before, my read of it is it's more that who is in position to carry. And certain, like James Ryan, for example, will never try and put feet on anyone. He no. will just go and go down and get at the fastest rook speed. Whereas some of the other players, like Caelan Doris or Tyburn, who can do both, they might select it on the, the area of the field. Yeah, and I think, I mean, again, talking about things which are counterintuitive, you are taught from day one, take the ball at pace. And indeed, you should take the ball at pace. But, the, I mean, to me, this isn't an accident. It can't be an accident, No, can no, it? no, it's not. It's clear. And you, um, <clears throat> Ireland, up to this point in the tournament, have considerably faster rook speed than anyone else as a consequence of doing this. Yeah, I think this must really mess around with defences. Because psychologically, you look at the South African approach to this game, they're flying off the line. right? They are, for a man, you can see that they're G'd up. It's not that Ireland aren't, but to do what Ireland do, you've got to have that coolness of mind. Because the easiest thing when people are flying up at you is like, right, we, we meet fire with fire, steel with steel, you know, give me that ball, I'm going to carry hard. And they it's not they're not carrying hard, oh, but they're carrying in a disciplined fashion. Yeah, yeah, and that is exactly right. Then you get the ruck speed, and then you get the multiple rucks, and then the other, the opposition slow down, and then you can get your feet on it. You can get the backs in, and I think, I think that's what's going on. I'd love to ask this question to a coach. Yeah, well, this is this is the kind of question that should be asked to a coach or a yeah. player instead of what does it mean? So you've just won a game. Yeah, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to Nothing. you? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, something, doesn't it? Yeah, this is exactly the sort of question that should be asked. Why are you taking the ball standing yeah. still? Yeah, and how do you determine who can take it standing still and who can't? Like, is there a split? Is it positional? Is it player positions? Is it individual? Is it geographical or territory based on the pitch? What is it? Yeah, but no, no one will ask that question. Nope, nope. Uh, right. Just, just on the rooks, I thought Ireland were masterful at the rooks. So they, they only lost three rooks all game. Which when what? you which when you consider South Africa not only the caliber of individuals they have uh, defensively in the rook and the fact that they were flooding the rooks is miraculous like, that is an absolute marvel yeah and uh, fair play to Ireland they turned over a lot of South African rooks not with jacklers either I mean some with jacklers some was, it, 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 it was in the wide channels generally it's mm. where actually South Africa possibly went too wide too soon was my point before like. Yeah. They, if they got overstretched, uh, Ireland identified it. Oh. Generally on this game, so I watched this, finished watching it about maybe half ten, something like that, and I, I had still had like an adrenaline rush. For, I, had to, I had to watch Match of the Day for an hour afterwards <laughs> to like try and... <laughs> had to turn England on. Had to, yeah, had I to watch some, England on to get to sleep. Had to watch something boring to try and uh, lower my cortisol and adrenaline levels. <laughs> Needed a double espresso to reduce my my stress. So if you are, I guess the answer for South Africa is easy. If you're looking to beat South Africa, what is the answer? Well, you need to keep the ball for long phases of time. You need an enormous pack. You need all sorts of things. It, probably the answers are quite simple, but they're just not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The question that is not easy or simple is how do you defeat Ireland's rut? And that is going to be the key to it. And I believe that is probably one of those questions that Gatland can answer. It's going to be, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a Gatland question. I'm not saying Wales can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just but saying you need a Gatland-style mind. Gatland can find the um, solution. Whether Wales can actually apply that solution is another matter. And it won't be direct. It will not be, oh, more man in, in the breakdown. It will be something bizarre, like, <laughs> I don't know, Keeping the kicking the ball and keeping it in field, we kick, I, I don't know. It'll be something like it'll be a second order consequence that defeats that ruck, and I don't know what that is yet. Yeah, or maybe maybe you have to dial back the physicality of the carrying. You know where where Ireland were going really static on the carrying, and then almost absorbing the like South Africa rush up. So you you almost have like a dial back a passive defence on that static carrying. So yes. the carrying never. <laughs> you know, it's not a terrible idea. So they make the ground. But hang on, they they flood in, don't they, with their numbers? Yeah. But if you can somehow do it, because is there? I mean, blocking on the ball carrier, blocking a defender is actually 
very hot. You know, like if you block a, uh, a defender, you'll get penalised. Yeah, like and, a crossing style. But what about micro blocks on ruckers by letting the so you have let the defender of, kind of go through a. F- like yeah, go through the forest through. so there's a load of trees in the way yeah and oh whoops you've sort of ran into us and then all of yeah. a sudden the jackal's on or the counter ruck it's very man intensive you're probably burning two defenders but maybe that's how maybe, you do it yeah hmm well, well we'll get to find out maybe South Africa are the ones are the only ones who can do it from this point on well yeah it'd be remarkably brave to let Ireland break your line on purpose <laughs> to try and beat their beat their breakdown yeah. I mean, but there again, if they're scoring tries from first phase ball and not being tackled, you have put you you you've defeated the breakdown. <laughs> you've just got a different problem. <laughs> Move the problem downstream. <laughs> yeah, and then you you've got to score your own tries. As soon as they get the ball, let them score. And then you score your own tries. They might miss some kicks. You get all yours. Win. So, cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We, we've, I think we've probably covered everything. We could go and keep talking about that game all day, but we've yeah. probably covered most things we wanted to talk about. Shall we go sequentially no, through the other not. games? Let's, let's leave something for Tim. I'll, I'll let, when we speak to Tim, I'll let him talk about England because I, I don't. Care. <laughs> um, and I'll let him talk about um, what's the other game? So we had we had France Namibia. We had Portugal Georgia, Ar- Argentina Samoa, which was a a scrappy game. But Samoa Samoa could have won that. Could they? If Leo Leofano, so Leo Leofano missed two kicks in the two very kickable kicks in the first half, and following that they went for the corner and fluffed it. So had they got one or both of those kicks all been successful with that, like this is a totally different game. Um, yeah, Georgia-Portugal. Now, I've not seen any of that, but I did not see... It was a draw. I didn't see an 18-all draw coming. I I thought Georgia would win that relatively comfortably. But fair play to Portugal. But that kind of... It disappoints me because I was hoping Georgia would get a scalp of... Yeah. Um, well, it does, it doesn't. I mean, Fiji or Wales. Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe they still can that- do. Maybe tells me Portugal are really good. Yeah, maybe and they're better than we thought, and Portugal are as we thought. So, um, and then we had England, Chile, which, yeah, Cocker wants to talk about that in depth. Yeah, look, if you're if you've gone to France, you're in the best position to talk about all those games. Not us. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Not. Not our job. Um, just the last thing, and we'll wrap this up. Is the sheer terror which must be descending across the rest of world rugby if you're not in the top three. Because the top three separating themselves now is so clear. It is so clear. It really does seem it to me. Yeah. Even with New Zealand have beat South Africa once this season already, I don't think they do it again. I just don't think, I don't think they've got the front row. I think in in almost every other position they can handle it. They just can't handle the front row. Yeah. To, To think that we've got a top three, which does not include England or New Zealand or Australia. Yeah. Is quite remarkable. I mean, actually, I know those th- those three teams are a distance off as well. They are They're miles off, miles off. So daunting for England. Very daunting for England. So to, two two things to note bef- just before we finish. One, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we mentioned we did a standalone pod on the RFU oh, a few weeks ago. Oh, I need to say something as well. Yeah. So you, I'll make these two points. You make yours. So we did a standalone pod on the RFU a couple of weeks ago. We will, in the next couple of days, do another standalone pod on the RFU, specifically referencing the letter to the president that was issued last week. Yeah. So that is coming. Do not worry. Uh, the other point I wanted to make is a bit more lighthearted. And uh friend of the pod, uh, good friend of the pod, Kirk Hullis, uh, messaged me last night 
to say, uh, this was before kickoff. I didn't read it until after kickoff. To say, first scrum of the game, you show the total pack weight. First line out of the game, they should show the total pack height. Yeah, and I think that's particularly having witnessed the first four island lineups that all went to uh, South Africa. I think that's just an interesting concept. I agree. Like, just Why? show it, like, and it costs you nothing. It costs, yeah, it, it costs you a six-year-old with a calculator for two minutes to, <laughs> to add up the height. You can even have school children doing maths problems. Yeah, like that actually works works well for all the imaging that they like. They why Han? Bless you. Why have children butchering the anthems, right? When you can actually have them doing maths, Math, doing some simple maths yeah. to add up, and they could do that, and you could do it as well. Like, um, it's interesting when when you've got the uh, certainly the reserve props for South Africa, the height of their front row drops substantially. Yeah, so you, yeah. you're changing the problem. Like uh, Trevor Nyakane and Oxniche Nche are. Uh, distinctly shorter than Malherb and Kitsoff. Yes, they are. They are considerably shorter, so it changes the problem, especially for, like, Porter's not a particularly tall prop, but um, Sheehan's a tall hooker, and Ty Furlong is quite a tall prop. So I think... I think Macclesfield did this. Macclesfield had two lots of front row, and then stalked them, not based on who trained best this week, but... The tall front row and their, their short, short front, front row. row. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, in fact, there's lots of lots of action that happened this uh, uh, this week in the northwest. But I think we've gone on too long. That, that that's for Tim. Yes. He, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim will enjoy that one. Tim too. will enjoy that. Uh, last thing for me is this email from Stuart Edwards, and I apologise, Stuart, because he sent me this quite a few times, uh, and we just haven't got round to talking about it. Sorry, not Stuart, but I've seen this quite a few times. Okay. And it is Stuart Edwards is the Chair uh, is the chair of the Mids and Juniors, juniors of Telford Hornets or RFC. They are raising money for their um, ju- mini and junior tour ne- next April, and in, and in doing so, <laughs> one of their coaches, Nick, is helping by lifting the combined weight of all the rugby teams in the world uh, in in the, in the Rugby World Cup. Which, by the way, if he can do that, he should be playing. Is he benching it or benching it at the same, all at the same once, time? One rep bench. Yeah, so he's lifting. Um, this is remarkable, actually. I mean, I asked you, we we should really break down how you best do this, but three hundred and five thousand eight hundred and eighty kilograms. Wow! How many deadlifts is that? Uh, a lot. So, what would you do? A hundred hundred kg deadlift. Crikey, it is a lot. You do it ten times. That's that's. A thousand, so three hundred thousand. So that's no. So, if you do it as a hundred kg, that's three thousand reps. Is that... Jesus Christ! It must be, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Three hundred thousand divided by a hundred kg. How is... else would you lift this? Three thousand. What would be your modality of lifting? Yeah, well, if you're doing anything less than a hundred kg, like if you're doing it fifty kg, you double. You're doing six thousand reps. Like I don't know. <laughs> How, what period of time is it? I, I guess well, if you're doing hang that... on, well, well, let me find out for you. Nick is helping by lifting the combined weight of all the rugby teams in the world in the Rugby World Cup and cycling the distance between all the host cities in France. Don't care about that bit. But, <laughs> like, yeah, look, middle-aged men cycle everywhere. That's not a big deal. Um, my, my little brother cycled to San Sebastian the other day from London. Oh, I, I spotted on Strava he was doing yeah. a... Yeah, yeah, his, um, yeah, yeah, his miles went what, 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 way, way up. up. But, yeah, but the lifting, however, right... So he's got until the final in October. 6,000 reps. He's going to be stacked. <laughs> 6,050k or 3,000 uh, 3, reps of 100kg. Hang on. So I do 25 lifts per session. Yeah. That's not enough. Uh, you, you you need a big weight. Can, can you lift, uh, what would it be, over a tonne, like 1.2 tonnes t- yeah, per I'm rep? Yeah, lifting over 100 kilograms when I lift. Yeah. So 25, 25 reps a day. Like I, I often do. Like if I've just got a barbell and a few weights and not a proper session, I'll do, I'll do, a, I'll do a hundred reps at a hundred kg. Like G, GV, like yeah, yeah. Uh, Emom, ten sets of ten on a hundred kg dead, okay. deadlifts. But that's <laughs> so that's ten, that's uh, ten thousand. <laughs> it's the most ludicrous challenge I've ever heard of. That is one thirtieth of what you need to do. You need to do that thirty times over to get <laughs> to get where he is. 
My word. Well, unless my maths is I'm not entirely off. sure where you find this challenge. Um, there was a poster here for QR code. QR Telford, code. Telford Hornets. It's, yeah, Tel- Telford Hornets. Go look them up. I-, I can't describe what the QR code looks to you on air, so that's going to be pointless. Or you could draw it out, I guess. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <So>, little square, <laughs> big square, yeah. little square. Little white square, bigger black square, little white square. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, go well, Nick. I-, I can't. In fact, if you're listening to Stuart or Nick, send me an email because. I want to know what you break down. What times get like if you try to do that in twenty four hours? That just seems just it seems maybe impossible. One last question on this: Do you? I mean, six thousand <laughs> six thousand deadlifts, right? It's going to develop some muscle imbalances. So is he <laughs> Poster, gonna, you're going to have to do the equivalent? Yeah, is he like front to, squat or yeah, is, exactly. Is he going to balance these out? Let us know. Let, let us know. We're fascinated. <laughs> Amazing. Right, so we'll see you tomorrow morning. There is uh, yet another podcast coming to preview Wales. Um, or to, yeah, to review Wales, Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, review Wales and Australia. Uh, Fiji are in action, are they not? Uh, I can't, the big game is Wales-Australia this yeah. afternoon. Uh, and in addition to that, we've got all the Northwest action. And catch up with Tim, see what he's been doing. So today's Scotland-Tonga and Wales-Australia. In, give, me, give me your winners in one word. Scotland v Tonga. Scotland. Wales v Australia. Wales. I agree. And I think if Australia had their two biggest players, uh, physically biggest players, in Taniela Tupu and Will Skelton, I think Australia probably win that. Without them, give me Wales by seven points. Wales by seven points. Love it. Right. See you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.